one day I woke up and I realized I was never going to be normal. So I said, fuck it. I said, so be it. Happy Harry Hardon was born. <laughs> I don't know if you know that quote, but I certainly do. One of the most quotable movies of all time. One of the greatest films of all time. And easily one of the best performances by a certain Christian Slater. Hello, folks. Today, and probably tomorrow, or I guess next week, depending on when you listen to these, we are gearing up to the 400th episode of Sean Geek and Fast Rat podcast. Now, my brother is out of town. He's got some family stuff to deal with. Unfortunately, hope he's doing okay. Love your brother. Miss you. But uh, I'm going to keep going here and uh, keep the show on the road. No, not on the road. We're doing it in the studio. But so I'm going to do the next two episodes on my own till my brother's back, and then uh, he'll be back for the penultimate. That's one of my favorite words. Yes, you know it. Four hundredth episode. So we are almost seven years into this darn thing. Still going strong. Still having lots of ideas. So what was that thing that you heard at the beginning? Pump Up the Volume was a film that was released in 1990. It was on the cusp of grunge, and it was on the tail end of the 80s, of course, and hair metal and all the stuff that happened in the 80s. Now, I don't know if you're an 80s kid or not, but let's kind of fill you in at the time that this movie was released. The 80s, the 80s were something else, man. Um, I was a kid in the 80s. I was a young, young kid in the 80s. I mean, I turned, I turned 10 in the 80s. So the 80s were messed up, man. Everything was about excess. Everything was about bigger and larger and crazier. Um, there was lots of drugs flowing around in the eighties. Um, there was lots of just shady politics going on. The world was on the brink of extinction. It was a messed up time and everyone was living like there was no tomorrow in complete and utter excess. And that's what I grew up with the, that whole mindset that was going on in the world at the time. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. You think about it, everything's polluted. The environment, the government, the schools, you name it. Now, when I was introduced to music, when I was introduced to movies, when I was introduced to 
all the forms of entertainment that you get introduced to. Like, you know, there was Star Wars and Indiana Jones and, and Spider-Man and Kiss and all those sorts of things. And that's that's what I was into. But the 80s kind of took a toll on everyone. And when grunge came around in like 1991, 92, with this popularity, it was a direct response to what the 80s were. It was a, fuck, like enough of this excess. We're all depressed. We're all, we, we, we've had enough. Um. Anyway, it's just, it, yeah. It, so the the timing of the movie pump up the volume it was was critical to uh to me for sure and to others and its impact on me and others is much larger than the people that have actually seen the movie because pump up the volume introduced the idea of podcast now not necessarily exactly in those tones but um podcasting in a lot of ways came about because people were absolutely and utterly frustrated with not having a voice you had to fit in you had to be cool and in the 80s it was all about fitting in and being cool and and putting your own personal feelings aside to fit in and conform uh the 80s were all about conformity um i experienced it definitely you know it wasn't cool to like comic books. That's for damn sure. It wasn't cool to like Star Wars. That's for damn sure. I mean, where I grew up, the things that I thought cool were cool were things that get you beat up at school. So, uh, including Kiss, man. <laughs> you know, Kiss was no REO Speedwagon. That's for damn sure. So, when this movie came about, I was listening to different kinds of music. I was reading different uh, forms of media. I was, um, I was trying to fit in. And when this movie came out, it hit me in the face like a sledgehammer and really questioned everything that I was doing by, you know, putting a mask on and, and being what everyone else wants me to be. So, it changed everything. This movie was incredibly influential on me in every way, shape, and form. Coincidentally enough, this was also the year, this also was released while I was in Montreal. And being in Montreal itself, Montreal is a whirlwind city. And by that I mean is and I don't know if it's maybe this is just my experience with Montreal. I was there for three years. I don't know if that's everyone's experience, but it's definitely mine. So imagine this shy young kid, um, afraid to talk to people, afraid to talk to girls. Oh my god! You know, I I knew I wasn't cool. Uh, I got beat up frequently at school because I wasn't cool. Um, I got mocked, shamed because I wasn't cool. And then I moved to Montreal. And, at, and, and and the other thing is, I managed to get to a point where people weren't making fun of me anymore. They were just ignoring me. So 
that's a uh, a mask that many of us will wear when we are being picked on is to find a way to blend into the background and cease to exist. So when I moved to Montreal, um, I don't know anybody. I'm 17 years old, 18 years old, I guess. I would have been 17 years old. I didn't know anybody. I uh, managed to get a job very quickly, which was very odd. And it was working at WH Smith. Oh my God. Which became Smith books, which became chapters. And I, that job was, was, was something else. I get to, to work in a place where people read books, which was considered not cool. It was one of those things I used to get picked on about you read books, you know? So what ended up happening was because I went, cause I had the, so here's further explanation. I applied to two jobs. I applied to the job I thought I needed to apply for. And then I applied to the job that I wanted to apply for. So one was at the bookstore and one was at a fashion, fashionable place, which was, which sold clothes and it only sold the, sold the coolest clothes and the trendiest clothes. And it was a very trendy place. And I applied to both places and both places offered me a job. And, you know, I'm 17. I don't know nothing about nothing. So I had, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost metaphorical because um, do I take the job where I can be cool and fit in and wear a mask or can I go apply for the job that fits into everything that I like and be me? And I took the cool job. And then I changed my mind and I said, you know what? I've been given another opportunity. I'm going to go with the other opportunity. And they were, they weren't happy, but they understood. And I took the bookstore job. So you got to imagine. So here I am at a bookstore surrounded by people actually like me, but also unlike me, but there wasn't anyone in this bookstore that worked there that was that wore the face of the kids that used to pick on me there wasn't a single one of those people working there not one there was not one single jock there was not one single um cool person with the trendiest clothes and the trendiest this and the trendiest that and listening to the trendiest music there was no one like that working at the bookstore not a single one of them. So this was interesting. So slowly, and because I started there the year before this movie came out, I guess. I think this was this release in January. August 14th. Okay. So basically, um, I found myself working at this bookstore. I found myself working in Montreal, living in Montreal, and I found myself. And what happened was, is in Montreal, at least for me, my experience there was, if people see you alone, they will come and talk to you. Now, whoa, this is way different than, than New Brunswick. In New Brunswick, you know, I was alone and people saw me and they either ignored me or they decided to beat me up. You know, so... 
in Montreal, random people would see me alone and they're like, Hey, how you doing? You know? And I'm like, uh, fine. What's your name? Uh, Sean. Cool. Did you just start work here? Or I was even in the mall and was in the food court and somebody saw me eating by myself and somebody came over to talk to me to find out like why I was eating by myself. And I struck up a conversation. I met two people that way. Just, and then the people in the bookstore, same thing. They're like, well, why, like, why are you going for lunch by yourself? I don't know. Like, so I was there a week and already I was, Hey, well, we're going on Friday night. There's no way you're going to stay home on a Friday night. Let's all go out. And I went out with people from work and people not from work. And I would be going out, you know, three to four times a week with these people I didn't know. And then I got to know. And what I learned was, and maybe it was just the group that I happened to gravitate towards somehow, or gravitated towards me, is that you live life. You live life. You don't wallow. You go and enjoy it. So that's what I learned. And when this movie came about, the soundtrack was all music I would never have listened to before. Um, It was all... There wasn't any quote unquote cool music on the soundtrack. There wasn't anything about this movie that was quote unquote cool. So someone played, I think the soundtrack I heard first, but someone played the the music for me. And it started with this song. Yeah, here we go. Let's see if you recognize this.
This had a huge impact on me, man, hearing that song. That was Concrete Blonde's version of Everybody Knows, famous Leonard Cohen song. Now, Leonard Cohen was an underground person, for me, anyway. And he'd had his heyday long before, but he was picked up by a lot of people like me, people that were disenfranchised people that were didn't understand what was going on people that were confused people that were looking for deeper meaning people that were looking and observing and the way Leonard Cohen used words was otherworldly it was just fantastic huh so the interesting thing was that I, I fell in love with the song. I fell in love with this band and I ended up following Concrete Blonde and, you know, buying every release they had. And it was like blown away. And then eventually I realized um, 
well, wait, there's another version of their song in the film, which was by a kind of a deep-throated singer. Who sings like that? Everybody knows. Kind of like that. So I'm like, who is this guy? Like, is this is this a cover of the Concrete Blonde song? And back then, you don't have the internet. You can't look up things. So eventually, you know, you just, you know, you figure shit out and you research in different ways. And I find out who this was. And I'm like, oh, boy, this is something else. Your Anyone's first experience with Leonard Cohen is is is, is something else. Here's Leonard's version. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody now this was the theme of the of the movie. This was his soundtrack. This was his opening salvo and in the film. So I guess for those of you that aren't familiar with the film, maybe I'll give you a, a little bit here. Uh, this is just from Wikipedia. So high school student Mark Hunter, who lives in a sleepy suburb of Phoenix, Arizona, starts an FM pirate radio station that broadcasts from his parents' basement and functions as his sole outlet for his teenage angst and aggression. Um, by day, Mark is seen as a loner who has to force himself to do social, to be sociable among around others by night he expresses his outsider views about problems with american society when he speaks his mind about what is going on at his school and in the community his fellow students increasingly tune in to hear his show yeah so that's <laughs> so so basically the idea is we all wear masks. We all do. We, uh, we try to cater. Um, we, we try to cater to those around us. We try to cater to people. So we try to be someone else. We try to look like someone else wants us to look. We try to act like someone else wants us to act. And... Mark in this movie, he is the shy guy at school. He's getting good grades because that's what's expected. He uh, doesn't speak up in class because the other students don't want him to speak up because they don't know who he is. Um, and now he doesn't get picked on, which is interesting. But um, I don't know it. it <laughs> He puts on a mask during the day, but it's when he start when he's on at night with his FM pirate radio station that he becomes himself. And then he speaks with his own voice. And in a way, it's his alter ego, kind of like um, Clark Kent and Superman, if you look at it that way. You know, Clark was shy and kind of bumbling and 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 then but he has all the confidence when he's Superman. And that's literally what's happening in this movie. Uh, he becomes happy, happy Harry Hardon, and speaks his mind, and he's completely and utterly exciting. So let's get back to everything else. So not only was the the movie incredibly inspirational for me, and I saw what he was doing by 
his with his FM pirate radio station, which which was really uh, finding a way to speak and get your voice out there. And he was doing it illegally. <laughs> so now, I mean, nowadays, like with, with podcasting and stuff like that, it's not quite so illegal, but the first podcasters that came out and were doing their thing, they found ways to use the internet to get their voice out there. Now, was it illegal? Yeah. Some of them were for sure, because they were playing music that they shouldn't be playing. They didn't have license to, they were saying things that might've been controversial. Um, and, but back then controversial being controversial was saying things that were true. That's the thing about, you know, conspiracy theorists and, and things like that. Back then the conspiracy was speaking up against the men and speaking up against corporations and speaking up against the, the status quo and questioning the status quo. That was, you know, that was, that was being, you know, consp conspiracists or whatever. But anyway, um, he was doing something illegal and he was getting his voice out there. And it was and interestingly enough by getting his voice out there and speaking his own mind, somehow that's what, what he was doing was illegal by, you know, hacking his way onto the airwaves and not paying for the bandwidth or not the bandwidth, but the, um, the, the signal, the radio signal. But man, he was podcasting is what he was doing. He was talking solo show, right? Cause I mean, that's what podcasts were when they started out, they were just people talking into the ether and he was playing his favorite music that wouldn't get played on regular radio. So, I mean, he was, he was going against the, 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 the mainstream, so, um, so this movie emotionally hit me on, on every level. And then just hearing the songs in the, in the film and then being exposed to everybody knows by concrete blonde. And I'm like, Oh, like there's, there's, there's more here. And I wanted to dig deeper and I, I managed to find the soundtrack. And here's the interesting thing is the soundtrack has some of the best songs that are featured in the film. And then a bunch of the least favorite songs featured in the film. And I mean, it's all about licensing and rights and stuff like that. So what well, for me, what it felt like was the soundtrack was stopped by the man and put out as what would be deemed acceptable by the man. So for example, not a single version of a Leonard Cohen song on the soundtrack. <laughs> like what the fuck's up with that? That doesn't make any sense. So what else was on the soundtrack? So let's take a peek. So it, it, and I guess the other thing to keep in mind, basically what happened was this, this film exposed me to music I wouldn't have heard otherwise. And that was the big thing. But I was able to connect emotionally with the songs in the film because... Because they were in, you know, key scenes. So, for example, um, the song If It Be Your Will by Leonard Cohen, which became my favorite Leonard Cohen song. And it was really, when I heard that song, that's when I went down the Leonard Cohen rabbit hole and, and, and tried to, to, to find more Leonard Cohen. And that's how, you know, from, from this soundtrack, I went and bought The Greatest Hits 
and no, not the greatest hits everyone's aware of, but the greatest hits that was released when before he had a resurgence with the cool kids. And um, it was it was glorious. So from there, then I backpedaled and started getting individual Leonard Cohen CDs at the time, or it would have been cassettes at the time, I guess. And picking them up and go, oh, wow, like this is like, like this guy's in complete and utter pain. And, you know, I related to that because I was in a lot of pain at the time. So what, you know, what, what other things? So if it'd be, I'm just going to play a clip of it here. If it be your will that I speak no more and my voice be still as it was before I will speak no more I shall abide until Dressed to kill. 
This is the song that put, that he puts on, and he's stealing. The interesting thing is he's stealing his dad's records, and it's his dad's Leonard Cohen record. So his dad just goes to show his dad at one point actually was cool, and then he conformed and and kind of became part of, you know, card became part of corporate America, and you know was following along. But interestingly, throughout the movie, he. I, I he kind of realizes, wait a minute, this isn't right. This isn't right at all. What else did this expose me to? Well, the the biggest one uh, would be this one. First of all, you're not screwed up. You're you're an unscrewed up reaction to a screwed up situation. You see, feeling screwed up in a screwed up place in a screwed up time does not mean that you're screwed up.
holy shit hearing this in 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 the film and then going back and, and picking up the soundtrack now this was actually on the soundtrack luckily enough this was my introduction to the pixies and i'm like holy shit who is this it was also my introduction to another favorite band of mine let's see if you recognize this one
Soundgarden. Soundgarden and Pixies are probably two of my favorite bands of all time. Um, and they're both on this fucking soundtrack. Like, are you kidding me? Like, ah, unbelievable. So this exposed me. This So this is when I'm like, I was listening to hair metal at the time because, hey, man, it was the most popular thing. And it, it, it came out of my, my love of Kiss. And it was mainstream and it was cool to listen to. It was okay to listen to. You know, there was nothing wrong with listening to it. So, I mean, I listened, to, you know, I listened to hair metal because that's what you're supposed to listen to. And I wanted to fit in. And I realized if I listened to what was popular and I listened to hair metal that other people would deem me cool as well. I don't know. Drugs are out. Sex is out. Politics are out. Everything is on hold. I mean, we definitely need something new. So this was a, a complete left turn with this soundtrack and with this music and moving in, you know, moving to a city where, um, strange is cool and being different is cool and being artistic is cool and, and playing an instrument is cool and writing weird things is cool. You know, uh, I actually wrote this down. So let's see. Uh, so this was the, I don't, whatever. I'm going to read verbatim what I wrote here. This was also the moment where I realized I may not be much different than Mark in the movie. The kid that just disappears into the background that no one notices, who has a gift with his writing and threw happy Harry Hart on his voice. My alter ego was me breaking out from my shy self. I did that in Montreal. I wasn't weird there. As I opened myself up, people found me interesting and I came out of my shell. I told people I read comics and that was cool. I told people I wrote stories and that was cool. I had some artistic talent and that was cool. I wrote music and that was cool. I played some of my songs to someone and he cried listening to it. I read books and listened to music that was not mainstream and that was cool. The shy me was my alternate identity. I realized while my own happy Harry Hardon was the real me. Yeah, man. Incredibly, incredibly influential incredibly incredibly important now i don't know how well this this film did um critically wow it grossed 1.6 million in its opening weekend went to make 11.5 rated 82 percent on rotten tomatoes this is when i stopped listening to hair metal this was this was pre you know grunge making its its impact known and i have another episode to talk about you know, the impact of Soundgarden spe more, most specifically and the Pixies most specifically. So I was introduced here and this is when I just started listening to different things and the people I was hanging out with, they were listening to these, these kinds of songs and these, this, these types of bands and I was being fed all this new music from, um, particularly one person I was hanging around with. Um, and this is how I learned to listen to other music and be receptive of other music and realizing I didn't need to wear the mask. I could listen to what I wanted to listen to. Um, anyway, so there you be. How many people out there enjoyed this film? How many people out there know of this film? And how many people have you seen the direct correlation to this film being the introduction to podcasting? 
this is why I podcast. Um, this was me wanting to be happy, Harry Hart on, on the air. That's not who I became. I became Sean Geek and Sean Arama. But man, this is just something else, man. Like this is something else. Go check out the film. Um, if you're going to listen to the soundtrack, don't do the official soundtrack because it cuts out half half of the great, great songs on the soundtrack. There's a lot more. There's a lot more great songs on there than were available on the officially released soundtrack. But if you go to a place like YouTube Music, which is probably your best place to go, you will find people that made playlists that include every single song that was in the film. Yeah, go do that. It, it's way better than what the man wants you to listen to. All right. I'm going to sign out here. Talk hard. See you guys on the flip side. Oh, time flies when you're on the run. I'm going to cut out now with this unusual song I'm dedicating to uh, an unusual person who makes me feel kind of unusual.
Fans of the Sean Geek Podcast, this is the Core Geek talking at you. Did you know that the Sean Geek Podcast has merch available? That's right. Head on over to seanbeginnity.ca and click the merch link at the top of the page. You'll be taken to the Sean Geek Podcast store on TeePublic, where you can find the Sean Geek Podcast logo on t-shirts, totes, masks, and more. And best of all, a portion of the sales goes to help support the podcast and allow Sean and Todd to keep bringing great content your way. Once again, go to seanmcginnity.ca and click the merch link at the top of the page. And while you're there, don't forget to download the latest episode. 